Typically, you want to use no more than 30% of your credit limit. And this is very important, especially if you're going to purchase a home. But you don't want to max out your credit card sheet. Definitely, you want to avoid that. The more debt you have, the more interest you're going to pay over the years. And that's going to really put a damper on your credit for the future. So if you were to want to buy a home, it's going to limit what you can potentially get. Because when you're purchasing a home, you're going through underwriting and you're going through the loan process. You're going to go through debt to income ratio. So if your debt to income ratio is really high, they're going to probably either give you a high interest rate or you may not qualify for the loan at all. So you definitely want to keep it no more than 30%. Welcome back to the Shopee Podcast Show. I'm excited about today's show because um, we're going to talk about finance. Um, in our today's society, economy is very uncertainty. The interest rate is high. The job uh, unemployment is going up and down. So um, finance and saving for retirement and have financial freedom is so important. And myself, I got into the interest and passion about learning finance um, during COVID time, reading books. But today, um, I have a colleague and, and a financial professional here on the show. His name is Juan Santos. Juan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Shelby, for having me here today. I'm really excited to share a few tips about financial literacy and education uh, for the community to learn more about what we do in our financial literacy campaign. Okay, great. So. To start off, let's introduce yourself, talk, talk, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, so once again, I am Juan Santos, and I am from Gardena, California, uh, which is in Los Angeles County. And I lived there until I joined the military right after high school. And after the military, I went through a few different career paths and until I found my passion in the financial industry. Since then, I've been really educating families and helping them reach their goals. So it's really something that I'm passionate about. Okay. So um, when did you, like I mentioned, I kind of developed this um, interest and passion towards learning personal finance uh, during COVID. Is there a time that triggered you or some sort of event occurred to want you to go into this industry? Uh, no, just once I saw the opportunity the, to start my business in the financial industry, uh -huh. I just really fell in love with the concept of educating families. Helping okay. them reach their goals, helping them start an emergency fund. So it's mm -hmm. all great stuff that I do for family. So it, okay. really, the passion came right after I saw the opportunity. Okay, great. Um, so, what is financial literacy? What's what does it mean? Like, because um, maybe many audience probably don't know what that is because it doesn't teach us in the school, right? Right. You know, when we're and going through school, starting in grade school, North uh -huh. America, we don't teach financial literacy or anything financial in schools. Financial literacy is learning all areas of finance, anything from college savings to retirement, all areas of life insurance. Just learning financial literacy is very important. So many people go 40 years working and then never um, grasping the financial education they need, mm -hmm. such as overcoming taxes, overcoming inflation. Right. These are all areas that nobody really plans for, but the financial literacy helps uh, overcome those obstacles so that people can retire better. 
Yeah, because um, also a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And especially in our economy today, right. there's many people um, maybe lost their job, got laid off, mm -hmm. and they cannot survive, or even during COVID. Um, so, um, I when I when I start when I start having the passion, I did come came across this called emergency fund. So, um, what's your take on emergency fund? Like, what people who should need it? So emergency fund is something that everybody needs. When COVID started, so many people were laid off. So many people were let go from their jobs. So many people face an emergency. Not having an emergency fund is actually an emergency in itself. If you don't have um, at least six months of an emergency fund in place, covering your income, covering your expenses, that's going to really impact you. So when somebody doesn't have an emergency fund, everything becomes... Um, more of an emergency in itself. It, re right. it requires people to go out and get credit cards. Or if they already have them, chances are they're going to max them out. Right. They're going to put a lot of money that should have been there in the first place in mm -hmm. their emergency fund. But instead of doing so, they're using credit cards to get through that tough time. Right, okay. So um, before we go to the next question, I want to uh, put out a disclaimer. Uh, even though this is about finance, but um, we're not telling you what to invest, what to do. It's more like a information entertainment purpose. So everyone's situation is different. So you might want to consult with your own financial advisor. And if you do have question of what we're talking about here, you can reach out to Juan or reach out to me and we can maybe do a Zoom call, free Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned about credit card, max out. So um, I personally did max out my credit card in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's very um, stressful and very um, headache. So um, I know you have a program that can help family. Uh, what is it called? Like towards the credit card debt. And so one strategy that we use for people to get out of debt is actually called the debt roll-up. What that means is that you start typically with your debt that you owe the least. For example, let's say you owe $180 on a credit card. You're going to tackle that credit first by putting an extra $100 on top of what you're putting in for your minimum payment. So that intensifies and makes the credit card get paid faster. Okay. Once you finish the first one, then you move to the second uh -huh. highest um, credit card debt, for example. Uh -huh. So you go um, one by one until you reach the top. Okay. And at that point, you can get out of debt quicker. So um, I also learned from other um, YouTube uh, creator, creators, they also have this advice, like, because, you know, credit card gives you points and incentive. It's kind of attractive. So if people really need to use it or want to take that advantage, do you have any? Because what I learned is they, you, you, you don't use the credit card that you don't have or for or be able to pay for it right on the Correct. same month right so typically um you want to use no more than 30 percent of your credit limit and this is very important especially if you're going to purchase a home but you don't want to max out your credit cards you definitely want to avoid that the more debt you have the more interest you're going to pay over the years okay. and that's going to really put a damper on your credit for the future so if you were to want to buy a home mm -hmm. it's going to limit what you can potentially get right because when you're purchasing a home you're going through underwriting and you're going through the loan process 
you're going to go through what's called uh, debt-to-income ratio. Right. So if your yes. debt-to-income ratio is really high, they're going to probably either give you a high interest rate or you may not qualify for the loan at all. So you definitely want to keep it no more than 30%. Right. And it will affect your credit score. And also, um, you know, it's it's not a fun thing to do. Like I said, I mentioned, have you ever had this problem before you even in the, you know, involved in this industry personally? Have you ever, oh, like, maxed out? <laughs> yes, definitely. Life happens right. um, when situations arise. We're not prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Life doesn't give us a head start saying, hey, in six months you're going to experience this adversity. That's why it's important to always plan ahead, always have that emergency fund. So, yes, there was a point in time in my life where I had a lot of credit cards. Mm-hmm. I maxed them out. So once I maxed them out, even though I had everything I needed, at that point, money was still tight because <sighs> yeah. the emergency fund was not in place. Right. So it was a very challenging time. Uh-huh. But with the financial literacy I've learned, it's been very, very effective for me to be right. able to move forward when those times come because mm-hmm. I already have everything in place right. the way I should have had before. But you live and you learn, and with the financial literacy, we yeah. can definitely help you get to where you want to go. Yeah, and um, in one of my um, other shows episode, I I mentioned pay pay yourself first, yes. and that's part of the financial literacy, financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, what what does it mean? Because I kind of did a de- demonstration from what I learned. Yes. But what does it mean to 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 your profession about pay yourself first? So when you pay yourself first, you're telling yourself that you're going to be the one that's going to accomplish your goals in the long run. The person who gets paid first gets mm-hmm. the wealthiest first. If you're paying all your bills, all your debt, all your expenses up front, it's a good thing. But when you pay yourself first, it becomes a more effective strategy for your future. Because as you pay yourself first, you budget better in regards to things like cable, Mm -hmm. expenses, things that you want to go do and have fun. If you max those out, you're going to leave yourself a little bit of room to be able to save for your future. So it's very important that when you start saving, you pay yourself first. You want right. to pay yourself at least 10%, if not 15 if you're able to. Right. If you pay yourself last, you're going to limit what's going to be there for your future. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important, definitely, to pay yourself first, at okay. least 10%. Yeah. Um, so by paying yourself first, I personally, is like putting in uh, investment. So investment, um, we we all know diverse, you know, diverse mm-hmm. your your money. So I did have stock, I did have um, IRA and yeah. um, crypto <laughs> and all that. But um, when you when it comes to another like your 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 profession is, um, people can also diverse and pay yourself through life insurance. Correct. Is that correct? Can that- you kind of explain or tell us what's that about? Yes, absolutely. So when you're starting your financial portfolio, you definitely want to diversify your assets. You don't want to put everything in one basket. The first part of the financial foundation that we teach our clients is you want to definitely always start with proper protection. Mm -hmm. This is in case you need to stop working. If you're experiencing uh, adversity like a bad injury, like a bad illness, you definitely want to start with proper protection at the bottom, Mm -hmm. which is the most important thing. If you don't, then what happens is your financial foundation is not going to be very strong. So once you establish your proper protection, Uh then you move on to tackling your debt management. 
-hmm. You don't want to ignore one or the other before, but you definitely start with the proper protection. After you handle your debt management effectively, then you can start working on your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Once the emergency fund is in place, number one, you have the proper protection in case you need to stop working, but you also have the emergency fund in case you need it um, for additional purposes. These are things like if you experience a, a vehicle breakdown, you know, just the engine itself mm-hmm. can cost you anywhere from two, three, four thousand dollars. Right. You know, when you don't have an emergency fund in place for those types of things yeah. and you use credit, that's going to really put you in a bad spot long term. Right. So once you have proper protection followed by debt management, then mm-hmm. emergency fund, finally, you want to look into saving and investing. Mm-hmm. So by this method, you're going to be able to establish a proper foundation for your future that's effective and if worst case scenario something happens where you need to stop working Uh you have the emergency fund you have the proper protection in place Mm -hmm. so you're not going to worry when those times come okay so um for many people's understanding um like life insurance is it about like about that right correct and so young people which like let's say tw- 20s or even early 30s, they're not going to think about um, death. I, I need to buy a life insurance, mm-hmm. right? So what's the difference between, let's say I'm in my mid-40 and to buy a life, ins- to buy a life insurance is, uh, versus the 20-year-old to right. buy? What's the benefit? What's the difference? So when it comes to life insurance, many people think that it's only a death benefit for right the beneficiaries that are listed to have in place when something bad happens. Sometimes people don't realize that there's so many areas of life insurance that can really help tremendously. For somebody that's young, life insurance can be a great way to start your financial portfolio. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can save money within a policy. This is called Index Universal Life. And what's powerful about this is that Contrary to what people think, it's a great way to save your money. Mm-hmm. You don't pay taxes when you pull it out at a certain amount. Mm-hmm. You have um, stability in the policy. You have uh, what's called a, a guarantee. So okay. when you save the money, you're guaranteed that you're never going to go below 0%. Right. So that means that you lose zero in the policy. Okay, so let me throw you a scenario. Mm-hmm. Let's say if I had that policy, life um, um, insurance, um, universal one. Let's say if I get I got laid off or my business is not doing so well, like these days many business, mm-hmm. many people in this kind of situation, can I borrow from that policy even I'm still alive? Yes, that is correct. So one portion of the life insurance itself is the, the protection itself. The other portion is a savings. It's called cash value. So when you have cash value in the policy and you're able to withdraw it, you can withdraw it tax-free up to 90% of the amount that's in there. So what's great about it is if you don't have the means to pay uh, for it, your policy is going to remain in force. But what happens is you can either pay the minimum at that point or if you say to the company you want to start um, skipping some payments, uh-huh. you can do so. And at that point, when you skip those payments in an index universal life, 
the payment comes off of your cash value savings. So it's a great way to always have proper protection. And if you need to stop working or if the business that you're operating is very slow, you don't have to worry about that policy lapsing if there's cash value in it. Okay. And is there a penalty? No, there's no penalty involved. So the only penalty that is involved is if you take out more than 90% of okay. what's in the cash value. At that point, you will get taxed. Mm-hmm. But anything below 90%, you don't have to worry about paying taxes when you withdraw. Okay, great. That's a very good information. Um, see, you don't have to use credit card. You don't have to right. get a loan to pay interest. So my next question is, so sounds like life insurance is not really just about death benefit, right? People can withdraw. And um, what if, um, let's say, for example, um, if someone wants to have uh, like their kids or their newborns, can can the newborn buy the policy when when they're still a baby? Yes. Yeah, so as soon as the child gets a social security card right. in the mail, they can get a policy for their children. Okay. So what's great about this? It's a great way to get their insurability at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Once you have this insurability, they don't have to worry about getting a policy if they experience any kind of illness when they're adults. Okay. However, when it comes to children, later on you want to add additional features to it. Right. So when they become adults themselves, you want to make sure that you can assess the policy itself right. to add features like long-term care, mm-hmm. to add a feature like clinical illness, chronic yes. illness, terminal illness. Right. These are all things that are not available to children's children. policies, right. but it's a great way to get them insured at a very young age. And as you grow the policy at a very young age, let's say at a three weeks, you get a policy for the children. Mm-hmm. You can use that money for anything like getting their first semester of college started. Oh, you can okay. use it for purchasing yeah. their first vehicle. Yes. Things that are going to help them through their adulthood, you can right. purchase it. What's great is, contrary to what people believe, you can grow the money in a policy tax-free. And the the younger the younger a person starts, the better, right? Compounding effect. Correct. So one great thing about the index universal life, the policy is going to compound. Mm-hmm. The more you keep the policy in place, the better. The younger you start, the better it is for the long term. Mm-hmm. So I heard this like let's say if I start in my twenties and if I stop paying, let's say thirty five. It will pay itself, right? Correct. So if you keep it for a very long time, uh-huh. you could eventually stop paying the policy itself. Mm-hmm. At that point, every year when there's growth within the policy, the money's going to compound. So even though you're not making payments anymore, you're going to keep growing the money little by little. Right. You will eventually potentially come to a point where even though you're not paying the policy anymore, uh-huh. the money's going to compound and you're still going to have growth in the policy. So once you reach 65, if that's your goal uh, to retire, you can still have a good amount of money within the policy. The more you pay into it, the more that the policy is going to grow. Okay. Great. Yes. So now you mentioned retire. I have a lot of questions because um, um, retirement, Social Security is, to, to, to me, from what I've been reading and hearing, uh, Social Security might not be available for us 
or late, uh, millennials later on. Correct. Or the boomer who has 401k or even pension might not be getting them. So what's the best way um, to have retirement? What's the best plan that people can start doing today? Um, there's generally no specific plan for a person. It really depends on their goals. Okay. It depends on their age. It depends on the income that they're making. It depends on their family size. Because when you have a financial foundation, mm-hmm. you as you mentioned, as I mentioned, you want right. to start with proper protection. Right. So the more um, expenses, the more debt that's in the on the table. These are things that are going to impact the financial foundation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when you want to start your retirement plan, right. you want to diversify it, number one. Okay. You want to make sure that you're covering all the bases before you start the savings process. Okay. However, when you start your financial foundation at the point where you're going to start saving now, you want to make sure that, number one, you're going to minimize the amount of taxes you're going to pay. Uh-huh. You're going to minimize the risk. So you don't want to put your money somewhere where it's aggressive. The more aggressive you get, the higher chance that right. you're going to lose some of the money. So one thing that you want to make sure you're covering is learning how to overcome inflation. Mm-hmm. minimizing right. taxes and minimizing the risk yes. through the financial courses that we teach in the workshops we're going to cover all those things okay so once you learn about tax now tax later and tax advantages mm-hmm. those are the three ways that you're going to assess where you're going to put your money where you put your money matters the more taxes you pay the long term the less money you're going to potentially have when it right. comes time to withdraw at retirement earlier you mentioned that you're uh, veterans and from what I've seen, I have a lot of friends who also are veterans. Mm-hmm. And personally, I, I kind of feel um, those people, those friends, those uh, people who serve in our country, mm-hmm. they, didn't, they don't get take care of from our own country. You know, that's yes. reality. Um, so a lot of those veterans end up uh, either homeless or, you know, not, not very in a good, healthy good living condition. Mm-hmm. So I I know you help uh, a lot of veterans community. Um, so with this pro- with this uh, life insurance um, saving program, how can it be benefit for the veterans or what, what type of um, program you have helped them before? So um, as a veteran myself, yeah. one thing that we're offered when we start our military career is what's called a thrift savings plan, TSP. Mm-hmm. That's the financial 401k that's offered to military. So once a person separates from the military, Uh they have a TSP. So at that point, they need to roll it over into a SEP IRA if they become a business owner. They need to roll it over into an individual retirement account Mm -hmm. if they want to continue either growing the money or if they want to have a personal account. At that point... When they roll it over, they'll have different options depending on their goals and, you know, what they're looking to do. Generally, when a military person retires, they're not very um, old yet. Chances are they're probably 40, 45. Mm-hmm. So they're still going to go into the workforce. Right. However, they need to roll over that retirement account. So 
So when it comes time for us doing an assessment with them, we have them bring a statement and we assess what their goals are. If they have a business, then like I mentioned earlier, you want to do a SEP IRA, which is a self-employed right. individual retirement account. This not only is a great option for a business owner, mm-hmm. but it also has potential tax breaks and tax advantages if it's properly um, handled the right way. So through the assessment, we're going to determine if there's a tax write-off, if there's a tax break, mm-hmm. or what tax advantages are there at that point. So they can potentially have great tax advantages. So if they don't roll over, what happens? Do they just lose it? No, what happens is if they don't roll it over, it's going to keep um, performing the way the military makes it perform. Oh, it's very okay. important because at that point, you really don't have a lot of control right. about what's happening. Yeah. However, when you roll it over into an IRA, into a SEP IRA if you're a business owner, uh-huh. these are all areas where you have a little bit more control as to what you can do. Because now that you're more in control versus the thrift savings plan company is in control instead of you. Okay. And can can those be also roll over to buy a home or no? Um, it depends. Typically, if you want to pull some money out of a retirement account, uh-huh. they generally let you only take out $10,000. $10,000. Yes, that's generally the rule. Okay. However, if you have a different way of purchasing a home, Mm-hmm. It's always great to explore those options. Right. Not that taking out that $10,000 from your retirement account is a bad thing. However, you're limiting the amount of money you'll have for retirement. Mm-hmm. So you always want to explore alternatives Actions. before that potential $10,000 withdrawal comes into play. Yeah. It's a good option if there's no other alternatives, but you limit what's going to be there for retirement. Yeah, because um, uh, more veteran can have hundred percent mortgage right. instead of you know uh, in general twenty or twenty below percent. Yes. Yeah. Um. So that's a lot of information. <laughs> um. So I'm sure a lot of audience or uh, people who watch this show will have a lot of questions. So remember, um, you can contact Juan uh, or me, and we can do a Zoom call, free Zoom call. And what if, okay, I'm going to do another disclaimer. I am already um, joined Juan's team, and I am started learning a lot of information, not just from the book I read. And so if anyone who's listening to this show or watching this show, if they are interested to learn more or even be participate to be, be become like a professional, how can they start? Uh, so the first part is seeing our corporate overview introduction. This is a way where you're going to see samples of our financial literacy and education. So you're actually going to learn great tips on improving your financial future. Secondly, you're going to learn about our company. WFG is part of Transamerica. We're a Transamerica company. Right. So therefore, when you see our corporate overview, you're going to learn about our financial literacy campaign of looking to educate 30 million families by the end of 2030. Right. Third, you're going to understand the options of starting a business career with us. So when you attend our corporate overview, mm-hmm. it's a great way to learn about those three things. And I, I want to add this one. Um, it, let's say if you already heard about WFG or uh, Transamerica or you've been into a different um, group or hierarchy, every 
um, every group, every hierarchy is actually operate different. It's like a franchising. There's of course there's a foundation, but every, who you know the person who leads is is always different from different group and people, right? Yes, that's correct. So yeah, all offices are different. They operate in a different fashion. So no right. office is the same. What's great about it is that we have over 300 locations. So it's a great way to explore options if you're looking for a new career or even a part-time career. Yeah. Um, so we look forward to have you come back. Maybe we can talk about more about uh, finance or insurance or even um, you know help people how to start this business because it's a great opportunity. It's like you know, you're owning your own franchise yes. without paying a large fee, right? Okay. Um, so do you have any last thought that you can share with our audience? Uh, no, really the last thought I have is when you are um, looking to start a better future for yourself, you want to start right away. Right. Financial literacy is a great opportunity for you to do so. The more you wait, the less you'll have in the long run. So it's always a great way to start learning when you're young, definitely. Yes. Yeah, so thank you for coming to the show. And I'm very happy and I look forward to do more show with you and share the knowledge and information, finance, or even business. Yes. So thank you again. All right, thank and you so much. Thank you. Um, we will be seeing you guys again next time. Remember to subscribe, like, share. Thank you. Bye.